Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to Farmer's Inside Track, episode 205. I'm your host, Donumdu. Now, in this edition, we get to know agricultural economist Lunati Lakanyane. He shares some of his favorite childhood memories, career highlights, and a special message to his future self. I really enjoyed getting to know him better, and I hope that you'll have as much fun. Lunati, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here with me once again on Farmer's Inside Track. I say this time and time again, I always enjoy talking to you and getting to know you. And this time around, I will actually really be getting to know you as part of a profile that we do just on your life and more about you as a person and not just the agricultural economist and that hat that you wear. But firstly, how have you been? How has the new year been treating you? What's been happening? Well, hi, Don. Thank you very much for that. And then obviously, thank you for inviting me to Food Bombs and Seas Farmers Inside Track podcast. I always enjoy chatting with you guys. I've been great. I've been doing relatively well and quite excited for the year. I'm quite excited despite everything else that's happening. I'm very excited about all the things that are on the horizon in so far as all the work that we will be doing in the agri space. And so to give you sort of like a short answer, I am doing extremely well. Thank you. Now, I like to start with growing up years, just sharing some of your favorite childhood memories. Where was that? Where did you grow up? Growing up is actually the best part of my life. I grew up in very simple conditions. I, I, I grew up in a very small village in a very rural town in the Eastern Cape called Kutumbu. And as I mentioned, you know, I, mean, I grew up in a very simple environment and um, in a very agricultural intensive environment. And so I was always surrounded by farmers. And I lived a very simple village life until obviously I matriculated and then I went to university. So growing up, I think some of my fondest memories, when you are in the rural areas, you don't really have much to do. And so books in the library was my go-to place for all the ideas that would come to shape the kind of person that I am. And obviously including the pursuit of agribusiness slash agricultural economics. I think that the seeds of that were planted, were planted a long time ago, and they were planted by the books that I was reading around business and around how to commercialize farms, etc. And so, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. So you were bookworm, Lunati. That's so cool. <laughs> I pictured you like that, actually, to be honest. It's actually interesting because this year I also signed my son up to the local library um, in our town here in Wellington, and he yeah. loves it. So that's definitely something that I cherish as well. So so cool that, that that's also one of the fondest memories that you're sharing. Now, obviously, I think this is your growing up years, you know, is where your love for agriculture started and pursuing this career within the sector. But do you think you would have ended up anywhere else had it not been for your upbringing and where you were raised? If there was something else, what would it be? Because I always tease you to say, I see you on a cover of a magazine posing, modeling, like, was that ever an option for you? It was like, no, agriculture is my thing. And that's where I'm staying. Let me put it this way. I might've been an agricultural model. So I think that's the closest thing I would have, <laughs> uh, I would have done if it wasn't, if I hadn't gone into agriculture. But in all seriousness, though, I've always loved education. And at some point, I seriously considered becoming a teacher. You know, cross-pollination of knowledge, I think, is one of the most important things for growth, for societal growth, that is. And, and so I wanted to play my part in the facilitation of knowledge from, for myself, obviously, to, to the next generation. And so I think if I wasn't in agriculture, definitely I would have been a teacher, probably a foundation phase teacher, because I think 
in the country, we have an enormous problem with our foundational education sector. A lot of the issues that we encounter in sort of like the downstream end of the educational supply chain are things that we miss out on in the primary phase. And so if I was an agricultural economist, I definitely would be a teacher. And I'm sure the kids would have loved you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about some of your career highlights. You know, what do you love most about what you do and why? There's the Simon Sinek TED Talk where he talks about start with why. So what's your why when it comes to your career and what you do in agriculture? At the moment, I'm a consultant. And I think what I love about that is that it, it kind of allows me to enable others to realize their growth potential, right? And, and obviously equipping them with all the right tools from a financial perspective and also from a broad uh, sort of consultancy perspective to say, perhaps the reason why you're not growing is a smallholder farm because of A, B, C, and D. And so here's a toolkit for you to actually grow to the next level. And so to see people actually implementing that and seeing them grow in real time, that gives me more gratitude, I think, more than anything, right? And so to answer your question, what I do is that I want to see a lot of our traditional smallholder farmers actually graduate from that phase into a sort of more commercial leaning position, right? Uh, where farming decisions are based less on intuition and experience. I mean, experience is very important, but less on intuition and more on data, more on you know quantifiable information that will enable them to operate efficiently or effectively under, you know, the very precarious conditions we found ourselves in as a country. And so, you know, to play that role and to know that I've contributed actively in someone else's growth, I think that, you know, it makes me more happy than anything, I would say. I think you have a very clear purpose and it's so amazing that you found your passion. You always talk about in the other spaces that, that we're in together about this data-driven farming and that's a very important aspect. And so maybe Absolutely. if you could just touch on that very briefly, how to conceptualize it for someone that might not even be thinking about it as yet, who is taking on the more traditional practices, relying on experience and not necessarily the new technology or innovation that's currently out there. A lot of farmers don't know that they're sitting on a vast wealth of agricultural data. And when I say data, it may sound fancy, but basically your day-to-day activities, they are constantly generating information points that you can lean on to run your farming operation efficiently. And so when I make a very brief example, we know in huge parts of the country, we have issues with water. And so as a farmer, what does that mean for you? How can you utilize your water resources in a way that maximizes your yield. And so it's very difficult to know that, especially with the with a resource like water, it can be reasonably difficult to track, although not impossible. How do you know that you are getting like the highest return on the highest return on your application? The beauty about leaning on technological solutions that help you track these uh, very important data points is that they enable you to better utilize your resources in a way that one costs or saves you a lot of running costs, firstly, and secondly, also informs your decision making going into the future, right? Agriculture on its own is extremely unpredictable because there is a lot of external factors that are acting on it. And you add on top of that all the sort of macroeconomic issues that we were battling with, ASCOM being the most obvious, and more recently in some parts of Gauteng, and I believe in, in some parts of the Eastern Cape as well, they're also experiencing water shortages. How do you operate in an environment like that? 
And so data enables you to sort of answer those exam questions by looking at it and, and picking out inconsistencies in your operation and then doing something to mitigate them. And so there are a couple of technological solutions that enable farmers in terms of doing all of that work. And the beauty about them is that they do most of the heavy lifting on your behalf. And over time, you will notice that you would have saved a great deal of running costs. You would save a great deal of resources. And hopefully you would be closer to making something resembling a profit. Now, Lunati, so much has changed you know, since we first connected a few years ago. And I probably can't cram it all into this podcast episode. But talk to us a bit about your current projects and more about the plans that you have for your future. Currently, I'm doing a lot of exciting things, but I think the the most exciting one is an agri-tech solution, which I'm currently building with my partner, Sam Boy. So we started building Abelusi about three years ago, the beginning of the pandemic, built it into a working prototype. And briefly for people who might not know, Abelusi is a livestock management system, really with the cardinal aim of doing exactly what I just described, enabling farmers to use their data in order to inform their operational decisions and also to enable farmers to trade on the platform, whether they're trading inputs or they're trading livestock. We've made so many headways in terms of advancing the platform. Out of all the projects that I'm currently involved in, I think this one is by far the most exciting because I think it will unlock so much value for our farmers, as I previously said, are sitting on vast mounds of data that, that are underutilized, if they are utilized at all. And so with this platform, in essence, what we seek to do is to enable them to lean on that data to, I suppose, as a way to bring them closer to commercial farmer status. And apart from that, I'm a very charitable guy. I am running a non-charity organization called EduGrow, where we go around schools in rural parts of the country and we plant gardens, endow students in each school with the responsibility of taking care of the garden. So the exciting thing about our model is that as the famous proverb goes, it doesn't just give them a fish, but it teaches them how to fish sustainably. And, and so with each school that we partner with, all the participants gain relevant agricultural skills, right? How do you ration your resources in a way that ensures that you've got enough to plant for the next two or three, four seasons? And so that's the beauty about this charity, that it not only gives school children free stuff, but it also gives them the relevant skills that hopefully they will use when they hopefully become large-scale farmers. And we also mentor them and we also encourage them to get into the agricultural sector. And this is very important when you consider the fact that the average age of the South African farmer is about 61 to 64 years old. And so our entire food system is reliant on a rapidly aging population. And so by bringing new entrants into the space and indeed encouraging them through the various drives that we do, we hope certainly that age will come down significantly and the agricultural sector will be more sustainable. Wow, it sounds so amazing. And I'm so excited by just the project with the schools, just because a lot of the stuff that I'm very passionate about. So thank you so much for sharing and, you know, all the best with it. I think that there's so many people that do so many significant things but you don't really know about it i know abalusi so i'm a super fan already so i'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing you guys progress in the agritech space and just seeing you guys flourish there as well we at the end of our interview just as we wrap up if you could leave you know a message to lunati from say five years ago 
what would that be? And if you're listening to this podcast in 10 years time, inshallah, what would you, you know, say to your future self? So I'll start with my past self. So I think with my past self, what I would say is that, Renati, you have so much potential. Do not doubt yourself. Do not let your background be a limitation. You've got so much potential. You've got something unique, something that no one has. And if you believe in yourself hard enough, you will succeed beyond your wildest imagination. To my future self, my future self will go back to the podcast and listen to it. I think I have more to say to him. So to him, I will say, Lunati, you've come a long way and you're still going very far. The work that you do has value. It has positively impacted people. Please stay optimistic, stay positive, keep believing in yourself, keep doing good in the world, keep being a positive example to everyone who thinks that they don't have it. And not only that, always remember that humility, kindness, and good manners will open doors that the best education cannot. Let's grow our country and then grow the agricultural sector. Absolutely love it. I can feel your passion. I've gotten to know you a little bit better. So thank you so much for sharing, not just with me, but with our Farmers Inside Track podcast listeners. And thank you so much just for your contribution. I would like to recognize it in this moment. Thank you, Lunati. We've come to the end of our session here on Farmers Inside Track. But maybe if you could just leave the farmers that you work with, the kids at those schools that you work with, one final message. What would that be? With everything that's happening in our country and with all the downturns that we are experiencing, both from a social and an economic perspective, I would say that we should all adopt the agricultural spirit. And the agricultural spirit is just keep going, even when the going gets tough. Just keep at it. Do not give up. Farmers are some of the most resilient people I've ever met. And so I think we should adopt that spirit as a country because that is the spirit of a winner. And so what I would like to say to them is that don't give up. Things might be tough, but I do strongly believe in this country and its people. We are going to turn things around and we are going to reclaim our spot as one of the best countries in the world. Work incredibly hard to help the next person. Work incredibly hard to play your part. In, in sort of re-steering this country into the right course and work together. Do not allow anyone to divide you. Work extremely hard to ensure that we create a future and a country that we can all be proud of. So that's the message that I want to leave to everyone. Thank you so much once again for joining us here on Farmers Inside Track, Lunati. Now from me, Do Numdu, our producer, Megan van Fent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team have an absolutely amazing week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.